One thing I read was that you kind of make it a party. Join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts. Dive into the tips and tricks that you can use while exploring with your cat. They share the war stories, we celebrate the wins, laugh at the horror experiences, and the funny moments that have been a part of their journey. Hi everyone, welcome to the Cat Explorer podcast. I'm Asara. And I'm Daniel. And before we jump into today's exciting chat, we would love it if you could screenshot this podcast on your phone, post it on your Instagram stories, and tag us at catexplorer.community and our awesome guest at wilderness.cat to let us know that you're listening along. We'll reshare it in our stories and we're really excited to hear your main takeaways and what you think of today's episode. So if you've been a part of the Cat Explorer community on Instagram for a while, it's likely that you've come across our guests today, Eileen and Mallory from Wilderness Cat. Eileen and Mallory are always a wealth of information about topics that impact Cat Explorer kitties, from brushing their teeth to what to do if a snake bites your kitty and to what food we should feed them and so much more. So we're really excited to chat to them today and learn more from them. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here today. Uh, it's good to talk to you. Thank you. I have to admit, I can't remember when I first came across Wilderness Cat. I feel like you guys have been a vital part of the community for a really long time. So how did this all start for you guys? Um, well, I think Wilderness Cat, it's actually our latest um, cat-related website. We got into um, the cat community really in 2012 when I started making cat harnesses. Um, and that really came about. Um, there was a neighborhood cat who we were feeding, and she had kittens. And I was like, I'm going to train one of these cats to walk on a leash. So I made the cat a harness. Um, and then while I was out walking, there was another um, cat exploring lady with her kitten. And we talked about walking cats. And she was like, hey, can you make me a harness? So I started selling them. And we realized cat exploration was really big. Um, and we wanted to help people with the different side of it. Yeah, so after about four years selling cat harnesses, we started realizing that that was really no longer sustainable for us. We lacked the production ability uh, to keep up with the demand. So we had to look at something that we could really handle and scale. Um, and we realized that a previous website about um, urinary tract home remedies was pretty popular. So we decided to take what we had learned about the whole adventure side of having a cat and kind of combine it with what we knew was um, of interest to people regarding the wellness side of having a cat. Yeah, it was something that wasn't really out there, like health and wellness for adventure cats. So that's really what we're uh, trying to uh, bring to the table with wilderness cat. Yeah. That's really cool because, um, yeah, you're right. Like there isn't really that much out there. It's, um, and having a cat explorer is slightly different to having a cat who's indoors because the wellness side of things you need to think about, like, like I mentioned, what do you do if you get, your cat gets bitten by a snake or stuff like that? That's not something that um, is a normal concern. I was reading your blog and I noticed that you refer to pet guardianship rather than pet ownership. Do you mind explaining the difference between the two or how you see it? Yeah, um, I don't know. It's pretty obvious to me that you can't own a cat. 
Right. I, I feel like our cats are less something that can be bought and sold, which is what I feel ownership um, kind of means. And guardianship is more like the protector and the keeper. And that's what we feel like we're the guardians of our cats. Yeah. And so that kind of ties into this whole cat exploration concept is that you aren't owning your cat. You're not controlling your cat. You're looking at what your cat naturally wants and kind of protecting them in a sense as they explore that side of being a cat. Oh, I love that. That's such a great way to put it. I think um, like commercially everyone would might mention it as pet ownership, but you're right. What we are doing is pet guardianship. So mm. that's a really lovely way to put that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. And you guys have a, a couple of cats as well at the moment. Yes, we have Wessie um, and Forrest. Wessie is 10 years old um, and Forrest is probably around four. She actually uh, wandered out of the forest one day by our house and never left. So that's why we called her Forrest. Yeah. So. And you go exploring with Wessie, isn't that, is that right? Um, well, Wessie goes um, away from home more often than Forrest does. Um, but they both explore with us in the woods around our house. So we have we have 10 acres to roam around on. So we do explore with her as well. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah. So much space for them. <laughs> yeah, right. And there's us in our little, how big is our courtyard? Not very big. <laughs> like six, three square meters or something. <laughs> That's really cool. What a life for two kitties. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I know um, one um, area that you're very passionate about is the um, food industry and pet food industry, really. And it's amazing, like, the pe- just the pet industry on itself, it's had this significant growth in the last few years. And a huge part of that is the pet food industry. And, like, we just walk down the pet aisle at the supermarket and it's so overwhelming. There's, like, just shelves just full of kibble and wet food and treats. And then there's also a fridge with all these variations of, I think is raw food I'm not entirely sure and so it's just really overwhelming and difficult to figure out exactly what to buy so what what are your thoughts on the current status of the um, commercial pet food industry you know I just read a headline do you remember if it was in Business Insider I believe it was yeah and they were saying that millennials are ruining pet food they're making it so hard for the old school business owners to continue doing what they used to do Yeah, that's what the line said um millennials think of their pets as their firstborn child um so they no longer get the big brand pet foods okay So what I'm seeing is that we're consistently and pretty rapidly moving towards much, much better um, standards in pet food. Um, And ultimately, I don't think that it has to be that confusing. Um, I think it's confusing when you're strictly looking at what what is available to you on the pet store shelves. But when you really start doing the research, it becomes pretty straightforward and simple. Um, because then you, you know, you cut through all of the marketing and the gimmicks and it's very, very straightforward. Ultimately, what I kind of first 
see with this, uh, what the millennials are doing to um, the cat food industry or the pet food industry in general is what I would imagine is hopefully in the future we could have um, a pet food department that actually has meat in it, like right. like just a meat department, and you would select the different meats or the different um, supplements or what have you to create your own pet food just like you would make for yourself. And I know that there are some stores who are actually doing that already. All right. There's a lot more awareness of the problems in the industry. So I think we are heading towards a better pet food industry right now. I just want to try to understand is, so what are the issues with commercial pet food? Um, so I would say that the biggest issues with commercial pet food are that there is less regulation than people would probably expect, and accidents are happening all the time. Um, it's impossible to completely control what is happening. I mean, even the sloppiest home food maker wouldn't end up allowing um toxic melamine to contaminate their food. And that's what happened in 2007 with the mass pet food recalls that ended up killing hundreds of pets. So there isn't a big problem with commercial pet food, and there are many really good commercial pet foods. But once you really start um, deconstructing what that is, you realize that ultimately it's just people and they can make mistakes and you can do it just as well as they could, if not better. Hmm. That's that's so interesting. I actually didn't realize that you guys were having. So we live in Australia and you you live in the U.S. And um, 2018's just been a scary year for pet food in Australia. Like there's been so many recalls. There's been um, so many um, instances where there's been fatalities with pets as well, or like long term health issues as well. And um, it's just the industry is so self regulated. Like as a previous, like I used to be a quality assurance professional and I know that that means that nothing's going to happen because you're not, um, the companies, they mean well, but they just don't have the time to follow all those rules and stuff. So that's, um, it's actually kind of scary when you think about it, right? It is. Yes. Um, I know we just had a dog food recall recently and everybody's, there are a lot of um, well-known, respected brands that are recalled all of the time. You guys, so yeah, you guys made a really good point there in that it's the big companies who are doing, who are meaning well and, you know, who have probably had the best intentions and who probably do have, you know, the, the research behind it and so forth, but the, the time and effort and the quality of the research doesn't compare to what normally happens for humans for our consumption. And so we are seeing all these recalls. We are seeing some issues have, cropping up and, so your point there is that there's no reason why we can't make the food ourselves to try and, you know, improve them upon what's out there. And at the end of the day, then you know what you're putting into your, you know, your pet's body. You know what you're giving them because you're the one that's made it. So that's a pretty good point there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so have, so full disclosure, Lumos and Noxie, they're currently eating commercial kibble and wet food. Um, it's, the concept of preparing homemade raw food just feels so overwhelming to us. So how do you start? What do you do? What are the basics? Um, I think the basics or <laughs> the best place to start is to get a really good recipe that you trust. And um, the people at Raw Feeding for IBD Cats have a really trustworthy recipe that has actually been nutritionally analyzed. 
Um, so I would recommend that as a good place to start because it takes out a lot of the concern that you're doing something wrong and you're going to end up killing your cat. Um, yeah, finding a good recipe is yeah what, the biggest hurdle, really. It, it's really scary. I, you're right. It is, it is a scary thing. Um, and for years, I know um, both Eileen and I wanted to feed Wessie raw food, but we were just so daunted by the lack of really good information. And um, I think it was just really difficult to find a simple and straightforward recipe. Um, Because so much of the information out there, these people are really knowledgeable about raw food. They, they know so much that they make it difficult to understand. Yeah. They just go out there, they put a page up and they're like, this is everything you need to know about raw food. And you're like, well, where do I start? Yeah. It, it's hard to sift through. Yeah. So it can be really overwhelming. Um, but I have been able to find several recipes that are straightforward and, like I said, nutritionally analyzed. Um, so that's a good place to start. So once you have that recipe, I think you need to get the right supplies. And that is a huge, huge obstacle um, for us personally. Procrastinators. Like, procrastinators and then people who are just overwhelmed by those little details like well if I don't have a meat grinder how am I going to do this um so if you just take that leap and get the right supplies then it becomes so much easier I know for um about a year I was using this relatively small cutting board and you wouldn't think that that was that big of a problem, but the small cutting board made me dread making cat food. So you get the right cutting board and you get all of the different supplies that work for you. And um, ultimately, it'll start coming together. Um, it's also a good idea to a, um, establish a relationship with a butcher shop. And you can get wholesale prices if you buy in bulk and you can really establish a routine of going to that same butcher shop at the same time every couple of months and getting your supplies and really breaking it down into a system that works for you. Yeah. And that's something we haven't done yet. Um, and it's always hard to find out if like hearts, chicken hearts are in stock at the grocery store, but we're working on establishing a relationship with our butcher right now. So hopefully We'll get that done and it'll be a little bit smoother for us too. That's that's really interesting. So what kind of ingredients are usually in like I know you can't without a recipe, every every recipe probably has different ingredients, but what kind of things might might it include? So you just mentioned chicken hearts. Yeah, so ultimately I think most of the recipes follow a pretty specific pattern. And so that would be a dark um meat. So um, it would typically in a recipe would be like chicken thighs um, with part of the skin removed in order to get the fat content right. And then um, you would also have uh, hearts and liver. Um, hearts exist as a source of taurine, but you'll also want to supplement with a taurine supplement. Um, one of the things that's really hard to pin down with making your own raw food is that Every animal is different. It's an individual and it has different levels of amino acids in it. So it's it's impossible to know that you're getting the right levels every time. But I mean, you don't live by a, you know, a guaranteed analysis. You get the balance of nutrients and people right. tend to... And over time, yeah. it tends to balance out. And the thing about taurine is it's a water-soluble thing. So you don't have to worry about giving your cat too much. 
And so, um, so back to what a raw food recipe would generally involve would be, um, then you'd have some liver and that would typically be a poultry liver rather than a beef liver, which is too rich for cats. Um, but other than that, you can pretty much mix and match different, um, proteins, um, and animal types. Um, and then you would either have to use bone in meat or you could use a bone supplement, but it's generally a better idea to use a bone in meat, which would mean that you have to use a grinder. Um, if you use a bone supplement, you can use either eggshell powder, which ends up actually being a really economical choice because you can just save the eggshells that you would normally throw away during cooking and then grind them up and use them in your cat food. Um, and then you would have a variety of different supplements. Um, so that would be a taurine supplement. You would use a salmon oil supplement. Um, you would have B vitamins, uh, vitamin E, um, some people, if they're using a bone supplement rather than actual bones, would use a gelatin, uh, add in gelatin to compensate for whatever's lost um, when using a bone substitute rather than the actual bones. Um, but essentially, the closer that you get to a whole prey model, the easier it is because you have to do less supplementation. So if you're just throwing a mouse on your cat's plate, then that's the easiest way to get a nutritionally complete meal. And then you can move incrementally further away from that and it becomes harder and harder and harder. So it would be really hard for you to make kibble that is nutritionally complete and easier for you to make, you know, whole prey raw, um, franken prey. So yeah. the more you can get of the actual animal, like the intact bones, um, taurine from the heart, all of these real natural things will make it easier for you. And yeah, that's what a lot of people who feed raw say. It's like we can't um, recreate what is inside of those animals um, artificially. And they're like, the whole prey is, it has everything they need. And we don't really know how to recreate it always. Right. And that's kind of a core principle of the whole raw feeding thing is this sort of um, faith in nature where you go, it's people aren't that smart. People don't exactly know how to break it down into amino acids. They don't know how to break down everything that is in a mouse or, you know, any other animal that your cat might consume. And so um, we're just trying not to miss anything in sort of this arrogant uh, attitude that humans tend to have. And that's one reason a lot of people like to um, rotate proteins, because if you just feed chicken all of the time, you might be missing um, some of the benefits that would come in a rabbit, for example. Oh, that's that's a really good point. Wow, that's a lot of really interesting information. Yeah. Um, so... Like, just even that rotating the food, like, I have to admit that we stick to three types of food with Lumos and Oxy, partly because those are brands that haven't been involved in recall. So, but that's a really good point in terms of changing their nutrition, the nutrition that they get from different proteins and stuff. That's um, really interesting. Um, In terms of the supplies you mentioned, like, you mentioned that um, if we have some supplies, it makes it so much easier. So, like, the meat grinder, the cutting board. What other um, things do you normally need to do raw feeding? You need a food scale. 
This uh, was life-changing for me. We were using a male scale, putting a plate on this scale and like looking at this little uh, analog dial and it was ridiculous. So now that I have a nice little digital food scale, it has been completely life-changing. I, I, they're not expensive, and you should get one yeah. if you don't have one already. And it feels a lot more accurate. Yes. Your cat's food. Um, you need to have that. You need to have a sharp knife. Um, we don't have a meat grinder, and we're using uh, a bone substitute. So if you are in that position, use a food processor. Um, to mix up the meat and organs. And then you do some uh, of the muscle meat chunked as well so that they have a little bit to chew on. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, I think the oh, meat grinder is the thing that people don't don't typically have and have to invest in. And that can be kind of hard, hard right. to do. And then some people, if they um, want to make a lot of raw food so that they don't have to make it very often, get like a little separate uh, freezer. But that's kind of... Uh, and yeah. then, saying you need to get a freezer really makes the raises the bar. Yeah, you want to so, make the yeah. bar as as low as possible. You want to make yeah. it really really easy for you to get into it. So just start with what you have and then move up. You know, it's like imperfect action. <laughs> um, mm. But another thing um, that's really essential is storage ends up being a way bigger issue than you might think. Um, and what I've learned is that you should not use plastic bags. There are awful you can't get the food out of them it's just a mess and i you feel bad throwing away all those plastic bags because they're contaminated with you know raw meat so i would recommend using reusable containers some people use um ice cube trays we use these little um food storage plastic containers with lids it makes it yeah just like a day's worth of food yeah much much easier to portion out that's a really good point Mm. so when you um start making the food because you've talked a lot about convenience and stuff. And I think, um, so I think one, like besides not knowing what we needed to do and where to start, one of the biggest things that have stopped Daniel and I from going down the raw feeding path is because the convenience side of things like to us at the moment, commercial cat food is convenient. Mm -hmm. We buy it online. It comes in a box and then we just feed it to our cats. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that like, how do you make raw feeding convenient and part of your routine i'm not sure how one would do it for their individual life um you really we haven't really gotten to that point we still do feed commercial food we feed we rotate so i'm still working on getting everything uh sorted out Um, um i think a lot of people really you just need to make sure that you can set aside a day Mm -hmm. um for oh this is my raw food making day for the month and just make enough for the entire month freeze it um just as long as just plan ahead yeah is really the only uh, one thing i read was um that you kind of make it a party i i don't know if that would help you but you know you turn on some music that you like and you grind some meat and you make raw cat food and it's like a a day to you know Hazara and Daniel can bond over making raw cat food. And it's kind of like a, make it a date. So that's one idea. I don't know. Um, But I mean, it doesn't have to take that much time. You do it in bulk. You do it one day a month. Um, I think you just need to commit to it like anything else. um, And it becomes a part of your life. It kind of reminds me. So um, 
Daniel and I did this, tempted to say ridiculous, um, food health wellness challenge at the beginning of 2018. And I would have to spend a day, day a week just doing food prep. And it's, it's, it's just, you put music on, you just commit to it and you just do it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like just something like that. Mm-hmm. And it definitely sounds oh. like it's, sorry, to um just reiterate your point, which was you work it in and you sort of rotate so between commercial food and raw food to try and give them that balanced diet and, and you know, make it easy on yourselves and not, you know, make this ridiculous hurdle that you can't even jump over. It's about picking some simple recipes, having a, just a few tools in the toolkit to cut it up, to, you know, to store it and just keeping things really simple to, you know, to make it part of your life but not overly complicated that you're run by it and it's like governing mm-hmm. your life. Exactly. And um, one thing I wanted to say is I feel like we um, maybe made it sound like a bigger deal than it is. It doesn't take all day. It only yeah. takes maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ultimately, I think that making homemade cat food is something that is not that hard or that much of an inconvenience but people think it is because no one else is doing it right and yeah like like you said daniel um just work it in as as you can so i think the more great healthy food you can feed your cat it's the better let's just do what you can yeah definitely that's um that's all we can really do um and you mentioned that you use some commercial cat food. How do you pick what commercial food to use? We feed our cats friskies. So, yeah. So, you know, and it's just what we've been feeding for a long time. And I've uh, read a lot from Dr. Lisa Pearson. I don't know if you're familiar with her. And she's kind of made me feel better about this choice because I've questioned it. And I've wondered, okay, maybe there's something better that we could be feeding. Um, but she says that friskies is a food that is actually more biologically appropriate than most of the so-called ultra premium foods that are stuffed with things that appeal to people. Um, and they actually have a reasonably good, uh, recall history. Um, so I don't feel terrible about, it's not about it. Um, just a high, I mean, uh, a cat food that's high in meat, mm-hmm. um, meat protein, um, free of carbohydrates, um, starches, and yeah, really and that's what's most and important. Really the closer I, you can get to a pure meat food, the better. So I think there's this um, perception that most of us tend to feed our cats kibble. Like I think I don't know where it started, but why we all like that's. That's what I've always fed my cats. I suppose it's because it's convenient. It's got a long shelf life and it's not super messy. So is kibble something that we should be feeding our cats or is why do we feed our cats kibble? Is That's, I suppose, my question. Yeah, I think you're right that kibble is just really convenient and you can leave it out. You can put it in an automatic feeder. So it's very easy to feed your cat kibble. Um, kibble didn't really exist, um, until around World War II. Supposedly, it was a reaction to metal rationing. So, um, the new 
pet food producers were no longer able to sell cat food in cans because they didn't have access to that metal. And so they had to figure out a way to make pet food that would go into a non-metal container. And so the result was this dry food. Um, and of course, it being so convenient, inevitably it took off. And as far as I know, it's the most popular type of cat food there is. Um, but there are some really big problems with cat or dry cat food. So uh, the biggest one is the fact that it is moisture depleted. So kibble has less moisture than the average kernel of popcorn. Um, so that's kind of an interesting one because I know I always feel kind of dehydrated after I eat popcorn. Um, so you have to imagine that cats with their incredibly low thirst drive are just eating these bowls of moisture depleted food. Um, and they're not drinking enough water to compensate for it. So a cat who eats a dry diet does eat, drink more water, but they ultimately get about half the moisture that a cat who is eating a wet food would consume. So all moisture sources accounted for, they're still getting half the water. So um, this leads to a state of chronic dehydration. So cats who eat dry food are more prone to developing feline lower urinary tract disease. Um, I experienced this firsthand with our cat, Wessie. And so that was um, when he was two years old, he was still eating dry food. We were insanely uninformed on feline nutrition then. And he was fine one morning. And then all of a sudden he was straining in the litter box and we didn't know what was going on. And over the course of the next few hours, we learned about um, feline lower urinary tract disease. And amazingly enough, we had never heard of it, but it's one of the most common feline diseases. Right. And so um, we ended up switching him onto canned food after we learned that apparently moisture can help to resolve the problem. And after switching to a high moisture diet, he hasn't had a problem since. Um, there was one study in which cats who had feline lower urinary tract disease um, were switched onto a wet diet. And those cats had uh, their recurrence rates cut in half. So a wet diet is the single best thing that you can do for your cat to prevent feeling lower urinary tract disease. The other problem with dry food is that it tends to have much higher carbohydrate levels compared to wet food. Because carbohydrates are, in most cases, essential to create that cohesive kibble shape. Um, so it helps in the extrusion process. It's like, it's the reason why a cookie that is made with starch is so much better than one of those like fake paleo cookies that doesn't have any starch in it. So kibble has to have carbohydrates most of the time. There are a couple of manufacturers who are making uh, low starch kibble but by and large, kibble is packed with carbohydrates. And it's really interesting because um, a lot of cat food manufacturers will have you believe that carbohydrates are um, an important part of the feline diet. And so they'll have dry foods that are like 50% carbohydrates. And then they have a wet formula that's 5% carbohydrates. So where's the precedent for the 50%? There's no nutritional precedent for it. It's just part of being a dry food. So it's not 
something, there's no minimum percentage for carbohydrates. They're not listed on the guaranteed analysis. Carbohydrates are just something that uh, are used uh, to create the shape and kind of the texture that we expect out of a dry food, but zero nutritional benefit. On that, like when you, so obviously before you start changing your cat's diets, um, we recommend that you speak to your vet, but what is the process that we should follow when we're changing our cat? So for example, where if we want to, like if we're, let's take Lumos and Noxie, they're currently on kibble and um, commercial wet food. What would be the process if we want to start introducing um, raw food into their diet? What process should we follow? Um, so it sounds like they are not being free fed, right? No, they're not. No. Okay. So they're not. So that would be kind of the first place that I would start if somebody was feeding their cat dry food and free feeding them would be to break them of the habit of grazing throughout the day because that's going to be a big problem when you're switching to a food that is highly perishable. Um, and so then once you've broken them of the free feeding habit, you might start adding some moisture to their food, but it's important to recognize that you're going to have to start taking it away so that it doesn't start having mold buildup. Um, mm. So uh, then once your cat is accustomed to not having the experience of eating that nice crunchy food, um, then you can start slowly incorporating your new food into it. Usually a canned food is a good stepping stone between dry and raw, um, but you could also just test your cat out on a little bit of raw and see if they like it because they might just be delighted to have this different food. But generally you can make that slow transition. Okay, cool. And um, I think one thing that we've learnt with Lumos as well, because Lumos has a sensitive stomach, so we always have to do everything really slowly with him. Um, and yeah, it's a it can take like two weeks to transition him to some new food. Um, we've rushed it previously. I don't recommend it. <laughs> um, one thing that we do currently feed them is kibble for their teeth. So like teeth cleaning kibble. Um, what, how do you, rec like, do you have any recommendations of what we could do for their teeth when they're being fed raw? Yeah. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what is in your teeth cleaning kibble. Um, mm -hmm. but I've seen some evidence that dry food can, uh, reduce your cat's chances of developing periodontal disease somewhat, but that difference is not particularly significant, just with dry food in general. Um, so when your cat is on a raw diet, um, you are going to want to brush their teeth on a regular basis. You want to do that regardless of what type of food they're eating. Um, and then you can potentially supplement with raw meaty bones um, so you should probably start with really small bones yeah. rather than wing, bigger ones. Wing tips are a really good, uh, place to start like chicken wing tips. Yeah. And so those exercise your cat's right. jaws and, and if, if your dry cat food that's for their dental health, um, if the, um, is it, is it good for their dental health because they're crunching through it or is there something inside of the kibble that's actually supports dental health honestly i don't know 
Okay. It just says dental um, health cable. Okay. <laughs> um, really because a lot of the time, <laughs> the idea is that your cat is going to be crunching through it or like um, it's bigger kibble, so they actually have to crunch through it and it'll scrape off their teeth. Now, the thing is, a raw meaty bone is actually way better at scraping their teeth than the kibble is going to be. Mm-hmm. They actually have to chew it and rip through it and crunch through it. And But remember, never give your cat cooked bones because those are the ones that splinter and cause damage. So. Okay. And um, am I correct in guessing that while they're eating bones, we should be watching them just to make sure that they're safe as well? Is that? It, it's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Is that So is that meat on the bones? So when you say raw but meaty bones, like, You've just given the whole chicken wing mm-hmm. with the meat on top. Meat well, on um, yes. One thing that we've done is we take a chicken wing, and Wessie's really bad at eating a raw chicken wing. And because we do like to stay around, it's really hard to watch him for like an hour while he tries to eat a chicken wing. So we actually t- um, put it in a plastic baggie and hit it with a mallet so that the bones are a little bit, um, so they're crushed. And he actually gets those down pretty quickly. Okay. To make it a little easier for him. That's um that makes sense, yeah, because oh my goodness, imagine like waiting for Lumos to finish eating. Yeah, he would take a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what do you guys normally do for treats? Like do you have raw raw treats as well? We kind of work through a rotation of treats. Um right now we've been giving the Nature's Variety Instinct raw boost mixers. Mm-hmm. Um which are little are you familiar with those? No. Yeah, they're little chunks of freeze-dried rabbit. Um and they also have some fruits and veggies in them. Mm-hmm. Um so we've been giving those as treats. We also have these um in clover. Oh, yeah, that's a, those are a pretty good one that Wazi likes. Um, in clover, those are apparently good for dental health. Um, they have green tea in them. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's pretty stuff cool. that's supposed to be good for their teeth, and he really likes those. And oh, okay. in clover actually has a whole line of um treats that are actually supposed to help your cat with different things like um for joint health or arthritis, dental health, um, eye health. So they're a pretty interesting brand. Oh, okay. That's interesting. We'll definitely include a link to them in the show notes as well. So if anyone wanted to look them up. So going back to like the feed, um, raw feeding and the preparation and the ingredients and things like that, I just had a thought. Are there like, because for, in Australia for dog food, they've actually got companies which actually send raw food to your house or like if or like even at um the supermarket in the pet food aisle there's like a fridge full of they say it's raw food is that something that we can be using or are there options there that we can use yeah i i don't see why not um i'm not too familiar with like here we have fresh pet um that those are the ones i'm seeing in those rolls at the at the uh pet store um but yeah there are a number of different commercial raw food companies that i think are reputable and a good choice they do tend to be really expensive um Mm -hmm. for example there's a company called fenyon here in the united states 
Um, and their food would cost about $7 a day, whereas our homemade food costs closer to 90 cents a day. So if you're willing to make that sacrifice, um, that's a good choice. Um, so yeah, I don't see a problem with doing the commercial raw, raw thing. One issue is that inevitably these companies tend to have a lot of recalls mm-hmm. um, because that's just the nature of raw food. It's going to have bacteria in it. And until something major changes in our perception of what is acceptable in pet food, those companies are going to have recalls. They're going to go the way of Radcat, um, which was shut down or closed their doors Mm -hmm. just recently after a series of recalls. Um, Usually they have um, salmonella. Is a common one. And... And that's not an issue for our cats most of the time. It's an issue for people. And so raw food is going to be kind of a public health hazard. Um, and so that's that's a big issue with these companies is that they're going to look like they have a really bad recall history. And you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. But I think for the most part, um, a lot of these companies are reputable and can be a good choice if you're not willing to do it yourself. So another option for those who are hesitant to make their own raw food is buying a premix. So you can buy a supplement premix um, and that can really um, take away some of that fear of yeah. doing things wrong. Um, so that that's one way that we kind of took a baby step towards raw feeding was kind of using a premix and that was a lot less scary. Yeah, I think that that sounds like the way to start anyway. Like definitely. So I have a stupid question. Where do you get those premixes from? Um, well, online. But there okay. are a variety of companies. Okay. That's interesting. So so like I'm just trying to get it in my head. So for example, we're having a rushed month or a week and we're running late in terms of um, preparing the raw food for the kitties so we decide that we want to go get one of these commercial brands that um, do the raw fit food what should we be looking for on that like on their packaging or should we research them beforehand or yeah so um, generally I'm not sure what um, regulatory authorities you have in Australia um, but uh, we would typically look for foods that are AAFCO um, or meet AAFCO standards. So that is a general guideline for um, nutritional completeness and the idea that the food is going to be balanced. Um, so that's a good sort of baseline. Um, I would look for foods that don't have fruits and vegetables in them because it's really not necessary. Um and yeah, if you can go look them up before yeah. and read reviews, that's probably your best bet for finding a food that's really good. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's a really good point. So I just want to, I guess, highlight from everything that I've learned so far and understood, it's not that hard. It's There's a lot of benefits to it. And from what you're saying, it's, you know, you try and work it in the best you can. There's you know a couple of recipes that you can look out for that, will sort of set you on the right track so you're not, you know, doing it blind. Get a couple of tools and just make it work for you, integrate it, and really 
what's eye-opening for me is just you've got to pay more attention to what you're feeding your cats and you, like, what the ingredients are and what the food is. And it's very similar to the way we are as humans. Like, like if you think about the way we as humans want to you know, improve our diet, we sort of take more notice of what we eat. We take more, you know, we take more care in terms of what we prepare. And we don't go out and eat the fast food every day because that, you know, leads us down one certain path. So I, I'm just finding a lot of parallels between the two, and it's just very interesting mm-hmm. to learn all this stuff. Yeah, it's almost like we're sitting here having this conversation. Like, so how do we figure out how to like not just like eat at McDonald's, like? Like so, like you go to the store and 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 buy 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 produce and then, you know. So it's make it's your, just something food. <laughs> we're not used to. And but but like yeah. but 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 like I I you know they're they're like pathogens. So I don't know. Do I have to clean things? You know. So I I think it's just something that's kind of weird and different. But I think people in, in the next you know ten years are probably not going to think it's scary. <laughs> So, <laughs> and this whole approach, I've heard the term with this raw food approach. I've heard the term; it's radically natural cat nutrition. Is that right? Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's um, it's sorry, right? Like, yeah. so in the in 2018, Daniel and I have been, we've been very careful with our diet and like just like we've been like very careful with not eating out, making sure we eat healthy food and stuff. And it's just suddenly all clicked. It's like, oh, we just do this for the cats. It just makes sense. I don't know why it's taken me so long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, now I just have to have that realization about human nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's taken us a long time. Mm. So where can we learn a little bit more about providing like a nature-fueled lifestyle for our kitties? Um, you can find us on wildernesscat.com. Um, we have articles about how to provide a nature field lifestyle, um, product reviews, and more. So. Oh, cool. And I've heard a little bit about um, Nom Nom Now. Do you mind, like, talking us through exactly what that is? Yeah, so we talked a lot about how it can be a bit daunting to get into the raw food thing. And we've also talked about some options for those who want to take a few baby steps um, in the right direction. And I think Nom Nom Now is one of the most convenient ways to feed your cat a better diet. So Nom Nom Now is a company that makes homemade style foods in their human grade kitchen, and they ship pre-portioned packets of this food straight to your doorstep on a weekly or monthly basis. So it's almost like you're making your own cat food, except someone else is doing it for you. And you don't have to worry about the bacteria that comes with raw food, since it's a gently cooked food. And I mean, the diet does have some uh, vegetables in it, but both of their formulas are under 15% carbohydrates. So they're relatively low carb and relatively species appropriate. Um, another cool thing about Nom Nom Now is that when you become a customer, you gain access to their nutritional staff. So you're able to, you have an account manager and you are able to ask any questions that you want and they can give you advice on your cat's diet and make adjustments to your subscription based on your cat's weight needs um, or weight goals. Um, so it's a really, um, personalized experience. 
Oh, that's really cool. And whereabouts? So is this for, like, are they available in America? Yeah. around America? Yeah, so they're currently only available in the United States. Unfortunately. Cool. Um, so that they sound like a great um, way to get your foot in the door, just to try it out and see how you go. That's awesome. So we've got um, a fast four, so four questions that we ask everyone that comes on the podcast. So what do you hope to see in the future regarding the movements of cats who explore with their humans? Um, I hope to see it grow. Um, it's, it is amazing to me how far um, the cat exploring community has come already. Um, I remember just a few years ago when we started walking with Wessie, everybody acted like, that's crazy, you can't do it. There were a few videos of people dragging their cats on harnesses. But um, yeah, I hope that soon, um, even my brother, who still says, you should sell harnesses for dogs, not cats. Nobody walks their cat. Maybe maybe he'll be convinced. Maybe we'll see him walking his cat. Yeah. Yeah. He will. One day. He will. Yeah. <laughs> so what's been the most entertaining comment someone said to you while you've been out and about with Wessie? I see you've got a little doggy. <laughs> yeah. And, and one person meowed at us. But, yeah. or meowed at Wessie, I guess. Yeah. I guess it was at Wessie. But yeah, um, people seem to think seem to think that our kitten Tibbs was a dog, on several different occasions. So that was pretty funny. That's pretty funny. It seems to be that, like oh, that happens to a lot of people where everyone's just like, yeah. I think it, and, it's and then their eyes kind of widen and they're like, maybe it's not a dog, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite funny to see. Um, I think, like, they're trying to process it in their head, but they're also saying it out loud. Like, they're like, hey, it's a dog. No, it's not a dog. Is it a dog? I don't know. <laughs> it's quite funny. So who are your favorite accounts to follow on Instagram and why? Um, the first account that came to mind was uh, Hades Live from Sin City. Um, mm-hmm. I just I just really like, like him. I like the uh, adventures he gets up to. I like him. Um, personality um we also like mick jagger the ragdoll i always appreciate those not non-pc offensive comments Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right um adventures of mike and lily are also they're a really great account um two senior kitties inspiring all the other senior kitties to get out there and adventure um because they started uh later in life they didn't go on adventures for a while but until they were older. Yeah. So they old cats can learn new tricks. Yeah, exactly. They definitely show that age is just a number. Cat Explorer community has great information. You should follow them. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you probably are already. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So what product, service, program, or realization has been a game changer for you guys with your cats? So this one is a realization that came to me when I noticed Wessie scratching the carpet. Um, I realized that whatever scratching post your cat starts with as a kitten is the style of scratching post that they're going to recognize for the rest of their life. So when Wessie was a kitten, we made this little makeshift scratching 
mat out of an old rug and some cardboard. And so that's what he thinks is a scratching post. So now that he has a vertically oriented scratching post, he doesn't even recognize Uh, dead cloth sheets with. Um, he just uses the carpet instead because it's a horizontal surface and it's what he recognizes. So um, yeah. that's just something to think about when choosing your first so scratching post. So if you have post. carpet, don't go with a flat carpet scratching post. Yeah, that's something that I had never thought about before. I know, it's just like a light bulb moment kind of thing where you go, wow, that just, yeah, just shone a light in my eyes for that. I'm just never realized. Eileen and Mallory, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been a blast. We've learned so much about raw feeding and I think Daniel and I are convinced now we're definitely going to give it a go at Lumos and Noxy. Mm. So thank you for educating us. It's been awesome. So where can we follow you guys and Wilderness Cat Online? You can follow us on Instagram at wilderness.cat. Um, we're also on Twitter at wilderness underscore cat. And, of course, you can find us on our website, wildernesscat.com. Cool. And um, a little birdie told me that if um, you've got a special deal with Nom Nom now. Yeah, so we're offering all of our email subscribers 50% off of their first uh, month of Nom Nom now. So if you're interested, you can sign up to our email list at wildernesscat.com forward slash subscribe. And when you subscribe to our email list, you'll get that 50% off Nom Nom Now discount link. So Cool. That's awesome. So what we'll do is we'll put all those links and any other links of things that we've spoken about today in our show notes, which will be available at www.catexplorer.co forward slash podcast. And thank you so much for listening today. It really would mean the world to us if you could hit subscribe to the Cat Explorer podcast and wherever you listen to your podcast. It will help us continue to get some awesome guests on the show and they'll be able to keep inspiring you and give you some awesome advice about you looking after your kitties. And while, while you're at it, did you know that we've got some awesome, exciting merchandise on the Cat Explorer website at www.catexplorer.co? We'd love it if you could check it out. And as always, thank you so much for being a part of the Cat Explorer community. We're so grateful for each and every one of you. That's it for today and we'll catch you next time. In the meantime, enjoy giving your kitties the world. <laughs>